I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm the guy in charge around here. And with me in the studio tonight is my bungling sidekick, Tony Kerr. Yeah, this is why you shouldn't be allowed to write the intro, so I don't think. Yeah. You object to the word bungling sidekick. I, mean, I object to a lot of it, yeah. But uh, you know, let's, go, let's leave, that to, uh, leave that for the court to decide <laughs> what's right, what's wrong. Have you actually filed those charges now? <laughs> uh, well, I'm hoping there's a guy going to be here soon to issue with that writ. Just, yeah, well, you're going to be hauled across, hauled through the complex and murky Guernsey kind of legal system. I'm being subpoenaed, am I? Yeah, you, I don't know what's going to happen to you, mate. Well, in case you're wondering, that is why I asked my lawyer to be down here tonight. <laughs> it's that's weird, isn't it? that's yeah. why he's just sat across yeah, there I wonder who that was. looking at you very coldly. <laughs> How's it going this week, Tone? Uh, well... This is slightly Thanks. unusual, isn't it? We're recording this on a Sunday. Oh, no, a different atmosphere in the studio. I've got a roast coming up in about an hour's time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there's very much a time limit yeah. on uh, tonight's show. A roast imposed, a meat imposed time limit. Have you had a good weekend so far, though? Excellent, yeah. We were out last night, weren't we? Yeah, Friends we were. birthday, out, do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, do you, do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, it was good, I think. The event went on sort of through the afternoon and then into the evening. And so uh, at some point we uh, we paused and went for dinner, just a, yeah. a sort of a small subsection uh, of our group. Although actually you, <laughs> three, three or four of us were leaving to go to this restaurant that was literally 15 yards down the road from the, the bar where we were. I said to you, we're just going to go grab a bite to eat. Do you want to come with? <laughs> and you said, yeah, mate, uh, could you... Um, Tell you what, you order me goujons, and uh, and then if you give me a call when they arrive, I'll come down. <laughs> <laughs> then your plan was to come down, literally sit down when your food was there, eat, and then leave, like, still chewing. Yeah, that was what I had in mind. We go there, we sit, have to talk to each other, and <laughs> yeah, you come down and that. then just run back up the road to the pub. Whee! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like refueled. No, 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 I didn't want the chat. I didn't want the kind of, that element of it, you know. just wanted to eat. To be honest, I kind of wish that you hadn't come. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought... It went badly wrong for me. You threw ketchup all over me, didn't you? Yeah, not in anger, I should say. Well, I'd quite like to know what happened. Because it was weird, because I wasn't looking at you. Like, you'd got your food, your food had arrived. Basically, I, yeah, I took the ketchup, the kind of squeezy ketchup bottle, and uh, a kind of a plug had formed, uh, you know, unawares to a, me. A clog. Yeah, a clog had formed in the uh, in the top of the, the nozzle. No one knew what was about to unfold, really. No one knew the threat that lurked uh, just on the table there as we spoke, made small talk before the meal. I went to squeeze some on my, uh, on my plate. You know, I like quite a lot of ketchup, so I squeezed quite hard. Quite violently. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it just, it's kind of arrowed across the table, cut a strip. Kind of like, do you remember in Goldfinger when Bond's getting, like, threatened with the laser? It was kind of like that. But it like imagine it being ketchup and Bond being cut in half. It was Rather like right than up, a laser. Yeah. It was ketchup. It went kind of right up your middle, just across my torso. Yeah. Well, it was weird so. because I I didn't realise it had happened at first because obviously I didn't particularly feel any impact. 
and I was looking in the other direction, just talking, <laughs> Back to, talk, yeah. talking to, I was just talking to someone. But uh, then our friend Rachel was just sat across from me and I just heard her go, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I looked at her and she was staring at my chest. I looked down and I was just slick with red stuff. I was like, am I dying? Yeah. Like what's just <laughs> happened? And then yeah. I looked at you and uh, I, I realised what has happened. Yeah, apologies about that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it just kind of ruined my night. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but aside from that. It's okay. Uh, well, anyway, what's coming up on the World Cricket Show tonight? It's going to be a slightly shorter show this week, I think. Is that cheering I can hear in the distance? Yeah, I think the list, everyone will be quite relieved about that, I'm sure. But we are going to be talking about a lot, though. We'll be packing a lot in to a slightly shorter episode. It's our New Zealand series preview special. Do we have to talk faster tonight, then? Yeah, that's just basically really the just, idea. Yeah. yeah, We've got a time limit, but we've still got the same amount to discuss. We are just going to have to talk at, a, at an increased speed, so... Um, we're going to be discussing all the talking points ahead of the test matches which kick off in Dunedin this week. Yeah, you haven't accidentally hit the two times thing on the iPod there. Are we going to have enough time for some side notes out of at the end? <laughs> there probably won't be time for side notes, actually, Tony. Uh, <laughs> I'm imagining the, there might be people listening to this who are genuinely You are reaching now worried, for, their, yeah. Yeah, for their kind of the playback devices. Hang on, what's gone wrong with my iPhone? Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, what's well. Uh, well, we're not going to be able to keep that up for the entire <laughs> no. episode, are we? So let's can stop keep it up for two there. But yeah, lots to talk about tonight. Uh, we've had to record this on a Sunday uh, because we wanted to make sure that we got the episode up ahead of Tuesday night, which is when uh, the game starts, UK time. Uh, and we're going to be busy on Monday just to offer a fascinating glimpse behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, we've got plans on Monday. Well, we'd originally arranged to record the show on Monday night, but then I remembered that I had tickets. He bailed, basically. Well, I yeah. kind of bailed. I, I remember that I had tickets for a, a theatre show, a local theatre show. Culture. I mean, is, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Like the, the distinct lack of uh, theatre culture <laughs> here in Guernsey. But there is this show coming. I, did, I do have tickets. I offered you a ticket. Uh, I said, mate, bad news. We're not going to be able to do the pod on, uh, on Monday night. I've got tickets for a theatre show. Actually, there's a ticket for you if you want one. And you went, I'm sure there's something I'm meant to be doing on Monday night. <laughs> so, like, well, yeah, there was that thing that we had planned and now can't do. So you yeah, are I don't free. Think you can make it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. sure. I think I'm reading that night, actually. Anyway, can <laughs> But anyway, just before we get going on all the England-New Zealand stuff, I'd just like to do a quick update on the test match in Hyderabad, uh, where India are taking on Australia. It's not going well for the Aussies at the moment. Only two days played, uh, so obviously we're not going to do a, a big in-depth discussion on this today. But yeah, Australia batting first uh, could only manage 237, and at the end of day two, India are 311 for one, with Murali Vijay and Chiteshwar Pajara both unbeaten. Uh, with centuries uh, so not going very well for Australia who obviously ideally need to win this game uh, to, to get themselves back into that series after defeat in Chennai last week we talked about that match in Chennai uh, we talked quite a bit about uh, Moses Enriquez uh, who had a, a pretty decent debut there now I say Enriquez because one thing that we did discuss when we talked about him was how unsure we are about the pronunciation of his name and how unsure everyone seems to be. Everyone in the commentary box, no one's really sure how to pronounce No one's name. asked him, basically. <laughs> it does yeah. seem like that, because there, there's a, a real kind of... Uh, there's a real variety of different uh, pronunciations going on. You've got Henriques, Henriquez, Enriquez, Enriquez, Enrique Iglesias, uh, all kinds of different pronunciations. But we have had some emails uh, from listeners who have written in to set us straight. They, they reckon they can clear things up for us, because obviously he's Portuguese-born. So some people have written in to inform us of the correct Portuguese pronunciation of his name. Diana Patterson has emailed in to say, Moses Enriquez probably pronounces his name in some horrible Australian way. 
But in Portugal, his name would be pronounced Mosesh Enriquez. That's Diana Patterson from Calgary, Canada, who used to teach in Porto, Portugal, she says. I'm off to Porto in the summer, actually, for a trip. I'll find out. You booked that after last week's discussion. Yeah, you said, yeah. I need to get to the bottom of this. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, actually, about it. But, yeah, the, uh, the sponsors are sending me out there. But <laughs> a, they're not going to send you. On a fact-finding yeah. mission. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of pointless now. It's, uh, there's no need for it. because uh, well, we've, don't we've, let them hear that. We've had these emails. We've got one corroborating Diana's story. Uh, it comes from Stephen Carter. He's an Australian listener. Uh, he says, hey, Adam, doesn't address you. Because he knows, well, what Stephen knows is that I know the answer. So there's no point in it, you know. <laughs> well, he knows you're off on a fact-finding yeah. mission <laughs> yeah, to exactly. Porto in the summer. So, um, so he's just addressing me. He says, a mate of mine at work is Portuguese. After much persuasion, he agrees to record for me the correct pronunciation of Moses Enriquez. I don't think anyone has been close. I haven't stopped laughing at it, he says. Uh, so I'll play the clip now. Moisés Enriquez. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, we weren't particularly close to that tone, were we? Mm, say again. Shall I have a go? Yeah. Moisés Enriquez. Moisés Enriquez. <laughs> Moisés Enriquez. It's <laughs> like Sean Connery. Yeah. Mo- Moses. Moses Enriquez. Or, or it sounds it sounds kind of Dutch. We're going a bit Steve McLaren yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, Moses, uh, Enriquez. Champions League, Arsenal, the Emirates. <laughs> Should we start pronouncing it like that, or would that be a bit over the top? I might uh, start calling him Mo. Just Mo. <laughs> just Mo. Uh, and then that cuts out all the S-S-H stuff at the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, maybe just every time I've got to do like a, a scorecard roundup or whatever, I will have a go at that. Michael Clark made runs. There's also a half century for Moises Enriquez. <laughs> it might be a bit over the top, though, that if we do that, I suppose. I do know people who do that, go really out of their way to correctly pronounce things from a different language. And it's quite irritating, isn't it? It is irritating because it's not consistent. Yeah. They don't do it with good. everything. They just kind of do it with some things. I know someone who, uh, in an Italian restaurant, once ordered a pizza and said, uh, yeah, can I have it with extra mozzarella? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, don't do that. Like, that's just absurd. Sounds stupid. Our, our friend Patrick, good friend of the show, Patrick, pronounces chorizo, chorizo, and kind of gets annoyed with other people for not pronouncing it like that, which winds me up. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, it does, because it's you know, just... Chorizo. It just sounds really silly. But he doesn't you... say Paris, does he? He says Paris. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, he's, he's just wrong on that. It's one of the things that annoys me most in the world, actually. <laughs> I think we should just use this podcast as a vehicle for stopping people from doing that. Agreed. England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. Now, it's all systems go for England's test series with New Zealand, which gets underway in Dunedin on Wednesday morning, New Zealand time, which is Tuesday night, Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, it starts at 9.30 UK time. Which is a pretty good time, I think. I mean, the one day is we're on in the middle of the night, which is just horrendous. But the tests are actually on at a pretty reasonable hour, I think. Absolutely spot on for me. You can watch the first session and still go to bed at a very reasonable hour. And if you watch the second session, it's not an all-nighter. It's not the end of the world, is it? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can go to bed dreaming of being in New Zealand, <laughs> and not in wintry Guernsey. So we're looking forward to the game. The England players uh, were certainly looking forward to the game in a big way, I would have thought, until very recently, because it did seem like things were looking pretty rosy for England. There had been a, a very confident mood around the camp uh, after victories in both limited overs series on this tour. That, of course, coming off the back of a momentous Test Series win in India 
We were making very confident noises on last week's show. You predicted a 3-0 whitewash. I found it hard to disagree with you. But our buoyant mood, the England camp's buoyant mood, perhaps punctured somewhat this week uh, with an unexpected defeat in the one and only warm-up game against a New Zealand eleven in Queenstown. Batting first, England made 426. Ian Bell coming into form in an encouraging way with 158. In response, New Zealand eleven declared on 349 for seven. Uh, England's bowlers going around the park a little bit, actually, with the exception of Graham Swan, who took two for 53. England, in their second innings, then collapsed a bit. Uh, they eventually declared on 256 for nine, which set the New Zealand eleven a target of 334. You'd have thought that that would have been too many, but they, they batted superbly second time out. BJ Watling with an unbeaten 89, which is good news for New Zealand as, uh, as he prepares for the Test Series. And they got there with three wickets in hand. Once again, England's bowlers struggling. Graham Onions in particular, one for 200 in the game. So that was a somewhat shocking result. Uh, it's England's first defeat in a first-class warm-up match since the India Tour in 2006. How much can we read into this defeat, do you think, Tony? Should England supporters be at all worried? You know, we were banging on and on about the strength of England's bowling attack last week. They didn't have a good outing here, albeit without Jimmy Anderson and Steve Finn, who were both rested. What do you reckon? Do we look a bit foolish to have been so confident about England's bowling attack, or can we just not read that much into the game? Well, I think Anderson and Finn are England's two best bowlers. Uh, so to not play them clearly opened up a bit of a... Uh, you know, a bit of a gap for this New Zealand eleven to, to kind of march in. But I'm not going to read too much into it. Are you? No, I wouldn't read too much into it overall because ultimately it's not that relevant. There's no doubt that England will be a lot better in the first test than they were in this game. The whole point of warm-up games is to, to get rid of um, the rust that's in people's legs, uh, to get used to that particular format of cricket again. I mean, you might remember... On the India Tour, England lost their one-day warm-up fixture. They still lost the series overall, but they won the first ODI and, you know, immediately people forget about the warm-up match. You'd rather win them than not win them, uh, but a defeat isn't the end of the world. I think it would be a mistake on New Zealand's part if they looked at this result and thought, oh, well, you know, England are weak, England are vulnerable, England are there for the taking. I don't think they will do that, but were they to, that would be a mistake. But while the result itself isn't sort of inherently worrying, I do think it's maybe flagged up a few things that yeah. are in themselves worrying i think it's dis- i think it's slightly disappointing from an england perspective that n- not one of broad onions and wokes really stepped forward and grabbed the opportunity yeah it was a bit of a bowl off for the the third seam bowler slot wasn't it and i think that's the thing that most leaps out at you when you look at this uh, when you look at this result is that yeah the 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 three bowlers that were competing for that one place it's very much a case of you know you're looking for the best of a bad bunch um graham onions as i say took one for 200 plus in the game uh, it got carved around in the second innings run chase actually got carved around in the first innings as well went at just a fraction under six runs per over so surely he he can't now play in that first test that is a big shame I think I'm, I'm gutted for onions personally because I, I really like him as a cricketer as a man uh, I think he deserves another crack at test cricket is you know he had that really long-term injury that that you know, a lot of people thought would have ended his career, but he's he's come back, had a terrific county season last year. You thought that, oh, this could be a great story if he comes back into the test team. You looked at this tour as being a, a, an ideal place for him to do that. You know, New Zealand conditions tailor-made for him just to come in and sort of wobble the ball around a little bit. You could say, well, he's just had one bad game here. 
but it would be quite difficult, I think, to uh, to trust him at this point to come into the side for that first game. If he did play, New Zealand's batsmen would uh, look to target him, I would have thought. Are you at all worried about England's seam bowling stocks? Obviously, as you say, Anderson and Finn are England's two best bowlers. But beyond that, you know, less than a year ago, you looked at the pace attack and you thought, well, maybe not only do England have the best pace bowling attack in the world, but their second string attack is better than most teams' first choice attacks. Less than a year ago, Stephen Finn couldn't get in the team. The first choice was Anderson Broad Bresnan. Then you had Finn waiting in the wings. You had Tremlett waiting in the wings. You had Onions waiting in the wings. At this point, if Finn gets injured at some point during this series, which, let's face it, isn't that unlikely, you would be a bit worried about whoever came in. There's maybe a lot less depth there than we thought. It seems to have disappeared in not more than... Yeah, yeah, like you said, little over a year. I mean, there were so many matches that we previewed and we were like, well, who who plays? And it's, you know, Breslin was looking really good and it had was in cracking form. Uh, and it is pretty poor now, you know, Tremlett, I don't know how far away from coming back he is. Yeah, he's fit again. He's going to be um, playing county cricket this season, but he's been out for a very long time. And it's, you know, even when he did play, like when he played, he had that um, spell when he played uh, in the last Ashes and then he played at home against Sri Lanka. It was absolutely world-class. But he strung together five or six tests in a row there, which is by far the longest spell he's had in the team between getting injured. And then he got injured and he's yeah. just not he's been no able to get back. You can't really guarantee that he's going to play for England again. Bresnan's injured now. Broad's got this injury that he's carrying. Steve Finn's only played a couple of tests in the last year due to injury and not being able to get into the team. Now Onions is out of form. So it is very much a case of, whereas, you know, that uh, third test of the West Indies series last summer, Onions and Finn came in because it's like, well, how can we... We need to see what these guys can do because they're so good that it's a shame that they can't force their way in. And now at this point, you're sort of scratching your head trying yeah. to think who's going to be the third bowler in the first-choice attack. I mean, you know, you could look at it, though, in that there are still... A number of bowlers, uh, you know, whilst they might be out of form, there is, we've said, three, four, five who are good enough or have the potential to be plenty good enough for test cricket. So by having a few in that position, you know, some of them are one or maybe two or all will get back into some sort of form soon. And there's other guys in county cricket as well. There's a lot of very exciting young fast bowlers in county cricket. Reese Topley, um, the Overton brothers. Jade Dernback looking <laughs> making the step up, you know. There's a lot of potential there. But it's just, at the moment, it's just quite um, alarming the way that things have transformed from, you know, incredibly deep resources in the pace bowling department to, you know, have we even got a third seamer? It, it does look like the third seamer is going to be Stuart Broad. And until June last year, he was one of the two or three best bowlers in the world. He was an unbelievable form for a year or so. Do you expect him to come back to form in this series? Difficult to say. I mean... If he has, uh, you know, if he's a great series, what is it, three tests, if he takes 15, 16 wickets, can you say he's back? I think what you'd want from Broad is just to get, you know, get through a decent number of overs, England to be winning, uh, and Broad to be picking up just, you know, a few wickets here and there. I think that, that'd be fine. That'd be a good return uh, and kind of, you know, step on the journey back. Well, obviously, he, you want him to do a bit better than he did in India, where he didn't take a wicket. <laughs> um, you know, with his heel injury and everything, it would probably be an unrealistic expectation that he'll be back to that form he was in this time last year. But on the other hand, there are a few better opportunities um, for him to regain that form that he was in. As we, as, as I said when we discussed Graham Onions, you know, it's it's a brilliant place to to come and bowl fast ahead of an Ashes summer. Uh, if Broad doesn't take wickets here, it's hard to see how he can how he's going to be in the frame. I don't know. 
Well, absolutely, because I mean, it's it's you know, it's great conditions, and it's an inexpert batting lineup as well that they're going to be bowling against. He's got to take wickets here if he's going to be seriously considered as a uh, as a long term prospect again. But that you know, but there are issues with his heel. There are issues over his mental state as well. And if he has a bad test in Dunedin, then you, you would worry about um, what his frame of mind would be. But you know, I think people are very quick to write off Broad. I think it's because a lot of fans don't really like him as a character and I can sort of understand why that is um I don't particularly have any issues with him but I do know why he gets on a lot of people's nerves but with players like that if he has two bad tests in a row some people start calling for him to be dropped if he has three loads of people start calling for him to be dropped but it shouldn't be forgotten that you know at home against India away uh, against Pakistan away in Sri Lanka at home against West Indies he was absolutely phenomenal he can be that good I really wouldn't write him off. And that is the thing. If you look at this this warm-up result, it is the much as it was a bit of a worrying display there, England's attack hasn't become bad overnight. And as you say, Anderson and Finn are going to come back in. You know, they are the guys that we would be expecting to do the bulk of the damage. When we talked about, you know, how potent England's attack is, you're mainly thinking of, of Anderson and Finn, provided they can both stay fit. And let's not forget about Graham Swan as well, who could be very influential. Obviously not the best conditions for him, very different to where he last played in India. But he should give um, Alistair Cook that uh, that degree of control that is um, incredibly important. And, and he, I'm sure he'll chip away as well. He will take wickets through the series. He's a good enough bowler that he can take wickets anywhere in the world, I think, Graham Swan. I don't think England, be, England will be too worried. I mean, it, it's only a warm-up match. Uh, as I said, I think, in the last couple of weeks, shows, it's, it feels like quite an odd tour, you know, just looking at the schedule. It's just like boom, boom, boom. You know, they've played... They played three. Okay, one of them was rained off, but they played warm ups for the uh, the twenty twenties, uh, and then there's just kind of one cheeky little quick four day game after the ODIs. I don't know. I, yeah, we can't. Ex- I can't can't expect too much. Well, yeah, but then is that slightly worrying? Are they going to be? Um, you cooked? can say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. are they yeah. going to be undercooked <laughs> going into this first game? But then, I, but then I guess New Zealand would probably be similarly undercooked if that's the case as well. Everyone's going to get food poisoning at this one, basically. That's <laughs> what you're saying. What about the England batting? Uh, it was very much the bedrock of their win in India. You know, surprisingly resolute. A lot of people expected England's batting to crumble out there. It didn't. I think they were only dismissed for less than 300 on one occasion in that series. All the batsmen contributed at some point. If you look at that batting lineup, the big talking point surrounds who's going to open up with Cook. Now, in India, of course, it was Nick Compton. He played in Queenstown, um, suggesting he probably will get the nod for the first test. Are you happy with that? A lot of people calling for Joe Root to be promoted. Um, sort of, a, He's an opener by trade. Compton isn't actually an opener by trade. He's a middle-order batsman by trade. But what would you do? Would you stick with him at the top? Uh, I don't know. I think it'd be harsh to uh, harsh to get rid of Compton. You know, It was a tough ask for him to go and play, to open up in India. And clearly he did very well, you know, albeit it wasn't like kind of swashbuckling spectacular. It was, yeah, he didn't was get 100. He didn't get that big score. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. No, but he, I mean, he, he was he was he played an important part, yeah, of a historic series uh, for England. So harsh, harsh, I think, to drop him. Clearly, Root has probably got a brighter future. Root also seems to just get, seems to be getting runs every time he goes out at the moment. I'd go with Compton uh, in the first test for sure. Maybe if he gets two single-figure scores, then you think about changing it. But I see no reason not to play him at the moment. I hear a lot of people uh, make this argument about, you know, Root's got much of the brighter future, almost like Compton's old. <laughs> you know, you should pick Root because he's so much younger. And I think we talked about this at the time during the Indy series, but that's just a, a somewhat ridiculous argument to me because, yeah, Compton is considerably older than Root, but he's only 29. I mean, he could conceivably have a career of seven or eight years in the test team. I'm not sure how much more long-term you need to be planning than that. So that isn't an argument for me. It's just who's going to be better opening the batting. And I think Compton has has earned himself a run in that position. He was a big part of of England's success in India. I think he deserves the chance to to press his case in a less demanding environment. I think, you know, the the idea of sort of uh, throwing him into four very, very difficult test matches in India... And then at the end of it, saying, thanks very much, Nick, but actually we're going to go with a younger guy. That just seems really harsh. And now you shouldn't base your entire selection policy on what's harsh and what isn't. Um, If it was incredibly obvious that Joe Root would be a much better option than Compton at the top, then I would support that. But I don't think that it is that obvious. Root has been brilliant since coming into the England team, but he hasn't played a, a single game for England as an opening batsman. So really, we're just kind of assuming that he'd be as good at the top as he as he has been yeah. lower down. Yeah, well, I mean, what is harsh is arguably what is harsh is yeah, pitching Compton in to make his Test debut in an India away series where he could quite easily have just you know come unstuck and folded and been out the side after the first or second match uh, if he'd been rubbish. Uh, instead, he did quite well. So yeah, I think it, yeah, I think he just has to play. Well, the other thing as well is that um, Root came into the side for that Nagpur test at number six. And number six is where England have had a really big problem. If Root can do that job, then why create another problem at number six by getting rid of someone in Compton who's done pretty well? You know, Root to me looks like a very good option at six because he can bat in a variety of ways. You know, in that Nagpur game, he defended for his life. He was like a young Paul Collingwood out there, you know, Brigadier Block Mark II. But then in the one-day games... He's demonstrated that he has got all the shots. So that's exactly the kind of player that you need at number six, really. You need someone who can defend if it's 50 for four when he comes in or accelerate if it's 300 for four when he comes in. Root just looks like the ideal guy to have there. Yes, he opens for his county, but that doesn't necessarily matter. I think some people are a bit worried, a bit nervous about the idea of a a top three that's Cook, Compton, Trot. 
And I can understand that, but I don't think you can necessarily say that Compton will bat in the way that he batted in India, in New Zealand, because... He won't need to. Exactly. Everyone batted like that in India, including Joe Root. Give him a chance to show what he can actually do in, in slightly less taxing conditions. I mean, obviously, they will be very taxing conditions, but in a different way, uh, with the ball swinging rather than spinning and keeping low. Turning to New Zealand, they found life a little bit tough in test cricket over recent years, haven't they? They've lost seven of their last eight tests. But the one game that they did win in that sequence was uh, a series-levelling victory in Colombo, suggesting that they can produce big performances on occasion. How do you rate their chances in this series? How do you rate them as a, as a side? Yeah, well, their chances I'd rate as slim. But if the tour match has proved anything, it's that you know, anything is possible. But that didn't really need proving, did it? So <laughs> we kind of already knew that. Anything can happen and probably will. They'll be all right. They'll, they'll get through it. Yeah, they won't crumble. Well, they crumbled That's, against South Africa, didn't they? I mean, they might crumble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I, I think like hard to be too po- uh, too positive uh, about the chances of getting a, a series win. But there's there's definitely the, you know they've got some good individuals. Not to be underestimated. Yeah, I, I really like the look of their pace attack. Actually, Tim Southey, Doug Bracewell. I think they're really excellent bowlers. Trent Bolt's there as well. He's got a lot of potential. They might play a four-man seam attack. Neil Wagner has been brought into the squad. He's a decent bowler. Took wickets against England in Queenstown. That's a pretty good bowling unit. The big question is over the batting, because that has been far and away the problem for New Zealand in recent years. It's it's why they've had so much trouble in Test cricket. An appalling sequence of scores in South Africa, including uh, most notably that 45 all-out. Kane Williamson and Brendan McCullum are there in the middle order. I think they're both very good players, but they are a bit hit and miss. Williamson is going to be a really, really good Test match player, but he's still young he's still learning his trade as they say um how important then is the return of ross taylor to the team who of course wasn't there in south africa because of uh, off-field issues an off-field dispute well i wouldn't say it's potentially decisive but it's clearly a very positive step he's he's clearly one of their best players one of the best batsmen if he'd been there in uh Joburg, perhaps it wouldn't have been 45 all out yeah. perhaps it would have been 85 yeah all exactly out. and yeah. that's a whole different story isn't it yeah <laughs> this, this preview you know you tear up this preview <laughs> and write it again uh from a neutral perspective yeah you want to see the best players on the pitch you know, the best sides that could be picked being picked so yeah there's no doubt that they're a much better team uh with ross taylor uh than without him he maybe hasn't quite lived up to his billing over the course of his international career so far. We've seen flashes of brilliance throughout, but he's never quite sort of... Uh, he's not done a Michael Clark, has he? Yeah. Well, no, exactly. I mean, I mean he's, you know, no one's really done a Michael Clark apart from Michael Clark and Mohamed Youssef, and that's about <laughs> it. But yeah, he's, he's, he's a very good batsman, and you'd think that, that with him in the team, it's much more likely that New Zealand are going to be able to post competitive scores. But that is the, the big question about this series isn't it is can New Zealand's batsmen deal with England's bowlers with Anderson and Finn and Swan and to a lesser extent possibly Broad if they fold then there's only one outcome but if they can find their way through to first innings totals of 250 300 350 there is a chance because they have got good enough bowlers to take 20 wickets if if England's batsmen have a few off days I've drawn up a composite 11 for you I've been waiting for this so what I've done, uh, just to explain it for you, is I've, I've looked at the two teams, England and New Zealand, that we've just been talking about, and I've drawn up one eleven. Must have been very time-consuming for you. Yes, it was a bit, actually, yeah. 
Well, after you threw ketchup all over me, uh, <laughs> I just went. To think about. I went home. Uh, I cried for a while, and then I drew up my composite eleven yeah, to cheer you up. Yeah. <laughs> Have a listen to this. See what you think. Opening up, we got Cook and Compton. Uh, then a middle order of Trot, Peterson, Bell, and Ross Taylor. Matt Pryor is my wicketkeeper. Graham Saw on the spinner, and then a seam attack of Steve Finn, Jimmy Anderson, and Tim Southey. So there's nine Englishmen there, and only two Kiwis. What do you make of that? Would you be happy with that? It seems it seems fair to me. You might say what is Compton doing there? Obviously, uh, as we say, not necessarily assured of a place even in the England team, and more or less unproven at Test level. But you look at the New Zealand openers; it's, it's going to be Peter Fulton and then very probably Hamish Rutherford, and neither of them are, are proven at Test level either. So, so I've gone for Compton, uh, and then you might say, well, let's get Brendan McCullum in that team somewhere. But I don't know. It's difficult to leave out Trot, Peterson or Bell for me. So, so yeah, that's the team I've gone with. Interesting to see how that team compares to the one that no doubt you'll be drawing up. At the end of the series. Yeah. So after all of that discussion then, Tone, what are you predicting? You said 3-0 last week. Are you sticking with that? Yes. 3-0 England, I think. I might have talked myself out of 3-0. It's difficult though because it, it, it's very tough to predict that there'll be a drawn test anywhere, isn't there? Because yeah, you know, I mean, it looks like results, doesn't it? Yeah, with the conditions, both sides, you know, with strong bowling attacks. But I'm not sure I can necessarily see a way of New Zealand winning a game. But since you've gone three 0 I'll go for two one to England, which does mean that at some point I'll have to be rooting for New Zealand. Yeah, um, I do think that it would be a mistake for England to underestimate New Zealand. They have got some world class players who can do serious damage, Taylor and Southey and McCullum. Arguably, England made the mistake of underestimating Pakistan a year ago, and it cost them big time in the UAE. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an important series, you know, England. If England want to be number one in the world again, they have to win this series, and, and convincingly as well. Well, yeah, I mean, anything less than a whitewash would be kind of disappointing, and in that sense, all the pressure is on England. Um, it does bring its own particular kind of pressure, um, because... You know, England supporters aren't going to be particularly ecstatic about anything they do, really. They'll just be annoyed and yeah. upset if something goes wrong. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult series for England in a way. And they will be beginning to think about the Ashes that are coming up, but they really do need to get this job done. It's going to be uh, the Ashes this summer. Brilliant. This summer and next winter. It's huge, isn't it? It's so just, much Ashes. It was Ashes to Ashes, isn't it? Ashes coming out your ears. Ashes. Brimful of Ashes. Shall we release that as a single <laughs> this summer? Should. I think we might have to. Brimful of ashes. Very popular song, isn't it? Brimful of ashes on the World Cricket Show. See, I could just instead of having like actual instruments playing, I could do that and then you could sing it. You're way out of time there. No, see that's because that's what I do, Adam. I'm out of time, you know, I'm out of sync. You don't play by the rules. Yeah, exactly. That's the the way I approach things. Much like David Cameron's popularity with Conservative backbenchers in the aftermath of the Eastleigh by-election, this episode of The World Cricket Show is crashing and burning. Do you like that tone? It's good. Very good. Bit of satire, bit of topical humour. Very good. I'm this generation's Ben Elton, aren't I? Nothing, I imagine the, uh, you know, our listeners kind of in Australia and and the US, uh, nothing they like more than a by-election gag. I'm surprised we didn't do a by-election special, to be honest. (laughs) People love that overseas, don't they? Local politics. But yeah, that's it for this week. It's a bit of a shorter episode today, a bite-sized edition, in a way. I'm exhausted, Adam. I'll be uh, trying to catch up on my sleep ahead of Tuesday night. uh, I'll try and stay up a little bit too late. I think it's Tuesday night. We did sort of spend 
15 or 20 minutes trying to work out whether it was Tuesday night or Wednesday night because obviously on the web, wherever you look, it says it's on the 6th of March. So presumably it is Tuesday night UK time because if it's a 6th of March in uh, New Zealand, that's Wednesday, which is Tuesday night in the UK. But we're just we're slightly concerned that maybe they mean Wednesday night in the UK. Yeah, because Thursday's the normal time that you'd start a test. Yeah. Uh, what I'll probably do is I'll I'll place my trust in Sky Sports and just check when they're showing it. That's they might have got it wrong. Can you imagine if they turn <laughs> up the day late? Uh, it's, already, it's already started. Yeah. Uh, I had just if you're interested, I had an appalling night's sleep last night. I'm quite interested. Why? Yeah, I, uh, I slept on a beanbag. Uh, worked. At, I would not recommend sleeping on a beanbag. It is awful. That must. That can't be comfortable. No, it wasn't. Well, I stayed. I stayed at uh, our friend's house last night. Uh, he's just. They've just moved into a new flat, uh, so they don't have any furniture, and their sofas aren't arriving for you know weeks. Well, this is a so, bit. Like you said they've just moved in. It's about a month and a half ago, isn't it? Yeah. And they're still about. They reckon they're about two months away from getting furniture. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's like they're, they're living in a squat. Basically, they've got bean. I've got a few beanbags uh, at the moment to kind of keep them going. But, and a test cushion as well for their sofa. So I kind of I made a kind of rudimentary bed out of a beanbag and the test cushion, and it just didn't work. It was it was all, yeah, it was shocking. I always remember uh, when we went to see good friend of the show Patrick at university. Me and you went up to visit him yeah. in Nottingham. We both stayed in the same room in his flat. I think I must have gone to bed slightly before you, and I sort of laid <laughs> laid <laughs> laid down on the floor, and then you came up and you said. Did you close the window? Because this was like February and it was absolutely it was, freezing. Honestly, it was it was you know it was sub zero. It was so. it was snowing outside. It was yeah. absolutely freezing. I said, "Yeah, I did close the window." And he said, "Oh, it's really cold in here." I said, "Yeah, it's just cold." Bearing in mind though, bearing in mind that also I didn't have a sleeping bag. <laughs> I'd forgotten it. Uh, so I was sleeping in Patrick's like kind of weird, furry like kind of zip up thing. So yeah, I was sleeping whereas, in that, and that was all I had. Whereas I had a, a massive sleeping bag, all kinds of clothes. I was. You, probably, was, you were probably wearing a beanie. I was wrapped up pretty warm. So then I went to sleep, and it was very cold, but I sort of slept through the night. But then you said that, obviously, without a sleeping bag, you were just... It's quite a funny image, actually. You're just lying on the floor uh, with nothing whatsoever. But then basically what I hadn't realised is that there were two windows in the room. Yeah. There was a window... There was a very obvious window, but then there was a much smaller window round the corner. In the morning, you woke up and you were absolutely fuming with me because <laughs> when you stood up, you realised that this window was open. You are like, that's why it was so cold. <laughs> but, you, but I just had this image of you like lying there in the middle of the night, not able to get to sleep, absolutely freezing, presumably feeling like the wind rushing through the room. You were just lying there going... Well, Bayfield said he closed the window. Yeah, so. I asked you, did you close the window? And you said yes. <laughs> so, well, Bayfield said he closed the window, so it can't be that. As you feel this draft, you could have at least you, investigated. I you. you know, you let me down. <laughs> the question for the kind of inquest afterwards is, why are the, why are the windows were opened at all? At any point. Well, I'd, I have often asked Patrick that <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it was a very cold night. Mate, I've got some good news for you as well about the cold. Yeah, this is from BBC Weather. It's four degrees, it says now. Maybe might be a touch colder than actually in the wind. At 9am, they say it's going to be four degrees tomorrow. And then it goes steadily. By four o'clock, it'll be nine degrees. Wow, nine that? degrees. Look at that. Nine degrees. I'd kill for nine degrees. Oh, I, can't right I literally cannot wait for nine degrees. I'm done with winter, Tane. I really am done with it. I'm sick Nine degrees. Then 11 on Tuesday, mate. Oh, 11 and sunny. What is that in Fahrenheit? That's like in the 50s. It's going to be in the 50s on Wednesday. Can you imagine? Those in the, I yeah, can actually the barely world. imagine. I almost can't imagine it. Are you sure I can't tempt you to come to this theatre show tomorrow night, Tane? <sighs> I'm going to be resting. Do you want to know what, it's, what it is? 
it's like a uh, it's this uh, this company Odd Socks that like a travelling theatre company, and they come they come over to Guernsey. They're medieval, aren't they? Isn't it? They're like they're kind of like medieval style. Well, they do a lot of Shakespeare plays, but they sort of make them funny, uh, and they come over to Guernsey a couple of times a year. But it's not Shakespeare they're doing this time. They're doing like a what they've billed as like a live radio show, but I think it's sort of meant to be like a, a, a glimpse behind the scenes of a radio studio i think it's like a bit of a comedy production yeah. but i went to see them when they were here in guernsey a couple of months ago they did uh, a pantomime which was robin hood we talked about this before like as we say guernsey doesn't get an enormous number of theatrical shows people just cannot believe <laughs> what they see they, they can't believe how funny it is and like it is really funny i love odd socks but there were people like honestly uh there was one bit because i'll say it was robin hood and you know in robin hood there's a character little john who's like really tall and the gag they had in the pantomime was that he was on stilts, right? So at the beginning of the play, Little John walks out on stilts and the man in front of me almost choked to death. He, <laughs> he could not believe it. He'd never seen anything like it before. Uh, that's a good thing as well, because you know where in pantomime, I don't think this is something they have in other countries, but in pantomime, which is a really weird thing, at least once in every pantomime, they have to do, look behind you, where the bad guy or whatever is behind the main character and the main character keeps sort of looking from side to side and and can't see the uh, the bad guy that's behind him. And the audience shouts out, look behind you. It's a really weird, like, ritual. But I went with my friend. And uh, it's just really funny because throughout the entire show, she said nothing whatsoever. But there was just a bit where when that look behind you thing was going on, she suddenly got, like, really annoyed and just went, other side! It's <laughs> like, why did she get so angry? <laughs> other side! Like, it's like, she genuinely thought that he was yeah. being stupid. Yeah. Now, and I've got, I've got a few things to do. <laughs> I've, got, I've got that thing, you know, that we were going to do. Oh, that thing. Yeah, yeah. you've got that thing that you talked about. Um, well, I would like to, but, you know, it's just uh, it's my first chance at a, you know, a bit of a break. So you're working me hard. Yeah, I do work you pretty hard. Yeah. Are, are you going to read... Any of Netherlands. I am going to attempt to, yeah. I'm going to attempt to. I might try and start that tomorrow then. Yeah, maybe tomorrow night. Tomorrow you night can, can be the perfect opportunity. Live tweet it. This is the book that Tony's supposed to be reading. Yeah. For the World Cricket Show. Read it and live tweet your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, yeah. That, that, was a, that was a good sentence. No, I was just thinking I was going to make a joke, but then it it kind of fizzled. You know, like I told it in my head before I said it, and it didn't get a good reaction. What was the joke? Come on. No, no, it wasn't really. No, no, go on. No, it's about getting paid. Well, anyway, we're going to be back next week. Uh, with uh, analysis of that first test match in Dunedin and more stuff as well. We'll talk about other things that have been happening around the world, India, Australia, uh, probably some side notes as well. But between now and then, if you want to get more involved in the World Cricket Show, there's a number of things that you can do. Far and away, the best thing that you can do would be to write a review for us on iTunes. We really appreciate all of those. It is really important in you know attracting new listeners and stuff. Uh, so thanks very much to everyone who's done that. Um, send us an email if you like worldcricketshow at gmail.com you can like us on facebook facebook.com slash cricket show uh, we've been posting photos up there haven't we so have a look at those you can follow us on twitter as well at cricket show that is essentially me at tony cover is tony t-o-n-y-c-v-r-r he's going to live tweet netherland as he reads it i might try that actually you might try that well, that sounds uh, like a pretty rock-solid guarantee to me. And if you go to our online website, www.cricketshow.net, you can listen to the show on there. There's a, an episode player. Listen to old episodes. And also on that website, you can purchase a World Cricket Show t-shirt. Just £15, including shipping to anywhere in the world. So if you want to support the show or you just want a great t-shirt, buy one of those. 
But that's it for this week. Stay in school, team. I'm off home. Tony's off to his roast. Pork tonight. Don't talk to me about meat, Tone. I'm not. I don't want to talk to Beautiful you. Beautiful pork, meat. crackling. I've given up meat nice for Lent. Joint of pork. I'm going home to my lentils. <laughs> Exciting oh, stuff. That is, that is. I am excited for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, like pork, all the trip, pork gravy, nice meaty gravy. Potatoes in pork gravy. Uh, had, had duck at lunch. Uh, duck Chinese pancakes at lunch. It's great, mate. Meat. No, oh, I've got some asparagus at home. Uh, some aubergine, um, some peppers. Just listing food, aren't we? That's it. Um, I've got some spinach. How long have you got till? You've got about three more weeks of Lent, haven't you? Yeah. God. I've not been finding it hard until the last couple of days. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind a bit of meat now, I've got to say. <laughs> right, should we get out of here? Yeah, let's get out of here. All right. See you next week, yeah. everyone. See you, bud. Bye. There's dancing behind movie scenes, behind the movie scenes. Sadirani, she's the one that keeps the dream alive. From the morning past the evening to the end of the life. Grim food, ash on the 45. Well, it's a grim food, ash on the 45. Now, we weren't this particularly is close to that, were we? This is the, you know, because you know, it's like a pronunciation website. That, it sounds like that. It's very professional, that. It does sound professional. That guy could, could get, presumably is a pro. Stephen, tell your mate that he's got a career in pronouncing things correctly. Yeah. I was lying on the floor on a load of water bottles and coins and stuff. Just random rubbish that you used to just <laughs> th- throw out your pockets as you walked into your room and not pick up for months. But I was lying there absolutely freezing. I was like, Tony, um, Tony, is there any chance you could maybe shut the window? And you're like, I'm boiling, mate. As you're right by the right by the radiator <laughs> under a massive duvet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're almost done now. Are you? I think yeah. It's a bit sophisticated. It's a higher level. I look like a dunce. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be annoyed with a French person if they didn't do it the other way around. I think people think that it's somehow like, it's like, oh, girl, the British won't learn another language, which is probably true, but it doesn't mean that you have to do that. You wouldn't be annoyed with a French person if they were like, you would think it was a bit stupid if when speaking French they were like, uh, London. Like, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Absurd. It's stupid, and that there are, like, it's a thing that there are French and German pronunciations of English words. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but yeah, you do. Le weekend. An unrealistic expectation that he'll be back to that form he was in this time last year. Absolute load of nonsense. Oh. Absolute load of nonsense. <laughs> well, we'll work on it. <laughs> okay, we'll get. You can you can just auto tune me if you want. <laughs> Ram full of Asher <laughs> on the 45. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.